Praise God. Let's pray. We want to prepare to get into a little lesson here to kind of encourage us and, and, and build us up in our faith. And then we're going to go about doing business with God. Father, we thank you tonight for this wonderful time of worship. I thank you for the people that have come out here tonight and have been so faithful to come out week after week to provide this experience for all of us that are home right now or wherever we're watching this. So I thank them, Father. They've been very faithful and very good and, and, and uh, again, faithful to do this. And we appreciate their, their effort. And so, Father, we just come to you tonight. This is very important what we're doing here tonight. We're not here to entertain ourselves. We're not here to feel good. We're not here to impress anybody. We're here to do business with you for the kingdom of God and for your kingdom to come and for your will to be done. And so, Father, as your word suggests, when we don't know what to pray, we're to ask the Holy Spirit, who your word has promised us, is here with us and here in us to help us and to lead us and to guide us when we don't know what to pray. And so, Father, there's some things in my heart that I've set forth, but we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. And before that, we're asking you to take this word and help it to encourage us and to build our faith so that as we begin to come to you in prayer, we're coming to you from a position of confidence and a position of strength. And for that, we give you thanks in advance. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, one of the things I've found in my life, and I've talked about it a number of times here, one of the things that I find that are obstacles to people in prayer is a lack of confidence. And we may not easily admit it to other people, and maybe we don't even easily admit it to ourselves. But I just want to pose a question for you to just quietly ask yourself. And I have to ask myself this periodically, and I think several weeks ago when I shared some similar things along this line, I shared with you that I came to kind of a crisis in my prayer life. I don't know that I would ever really have seen it that way, but I realized that I was not praying as much as I used to, and when it came time to pray, I didn't want to. It was, a, it was an obligation that I found myself trying to find reasons to avoid, and, and here I am, the senior pastor of a church, and I had to admit that, but it was the truth, it's where I was. But as I began to face the truth of where I was, and that's often the first step of God bringing you out of where you are, is to face where you really are. Be honest about where you are. By the way, it's not going to shock God. God already knows where we are. But we need to face the truth of it. It's interesting in John chapter 4, Jesus talking to the woman at the well, talking about worship, says, My Father longs for those that are true worshipers. And then He tells us what a true worshiper is in God's eyes. He said, A true worshiper are those who worship Him in spirit, and in truth, that means in honesty, with nothing hidden, no agenda, no pride, no ambition, and nothing in my life hidden from God, that everything's open to Him. Well, that same thing is true in prayer. We can't come with our heart open to God to commune with Him if we're hiding things from Him and hiding things from ourselves. So the beginning of, a, of, of clearing the pipeline in your prayer life or maybe developing a true pipeline to Him. In your, but why the pipeline is not a good term because it kind of implies He's way up there and we can lose connection if the weather's blowing the wrong way. No, He's living in here by the Holy Spirit. God's living in you and living in me by the Holy Spirit. He knows your thoughts. He knows your desires. He knows everything about you. And He's right here ready to listen to you and to, and to hear what you have to say to Him. 
And so I just want to encourage you in this tonight, So, because confidence is often the major thing that holds us back. Oh, we may come and we may say prayers, but my question for you tonight is, are you really expecting God to answer these prayers? Are you really expecting that God's going to do something with what we come to Him about tonight? Because if we really expect something, we shouldn't have any trouble coming up with things to ask Him because we all have needs in our life. And if you don't have them, we know plenty of people around us, and certainly our nation has needs right now, church has needs right now, and our world has needs right now. So again, we're coming to a God who is not only willing to meet these needs, He's able, infinitely able to meet these needs, but there's a connection that has to take place with us before He can do that. So one of the things, and I left my regular glasses at home, so I'm using these Walmart cheaters, but let's see if I can work with them. Yes. So in order to understand how we have to connect with God, we have to realize that the Bible sets forth certain conditions for answered prayer. Now I want to explain to you what a condition is in this context. Because oftentimes we hear the term, well, God has certain conditions we have to meet. As if God's sitting up there with a, with a checklist and say, well, they did number one and they did number two, but they didn't do number three, so I'm not going to give them uh, what, they are, what they're asking for. I think it was a few weeks ago we talked about this because in, in, in a very similar message in James chapter 1 where James is talking about getting things from receiving things from God he said let not if you're double minded think you will you receive anything from God it doesn't say that God won't give it when you ask but the fact that we don't meet the condition is re- results in that we won't receive it and I look at it this way Praying to God, talking to God, there there are many different ways to pray. You can just commune with God, just talk to Him. He's your Father. He wants you to talk with Him. He wants you to love on Him. He wants to love on you. He wants you to talk to Him about your concerns and ask Him for wisdom and advice the way you would with anybody that you know loves you and is really there. Uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. And it tells you why. It's not that these things please God. It's that what they allow you to do pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Why? Because in order to come to God, and that's what pleases Him, you must A, believe that He is, and B, believe that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 is telling us that in order to please God, you have to come to Him. He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to talk to Him about all the issues of your life, your cares, your concerns, when you're frustrated, when you don't know what to do. He wants you to come to Him. He's told you to come to Him. Because what you'll find is as you do that, and you begin to receive from Him, it develops a closeness and an intimacy with Him. He becomes more real to you than He does just coming to church and singing songs and listening to a word and then saying prayers. I think so many of us say prayers, we don't talk to God. And so the point is this. In my relationship with my wife or my relationship or her relationship with me or my children with me when they were growing up especially, I'm their father. They would come and they would ask me for things, whether it's to get ice cream, something they need, something they want. They would come 
and ask me for them. Now, in order, assuming I want, it's something I want to give them, there's some, there's some conditions on them receiving them. First of all, they have to ask me. And if they don't ask me, I can't respond to them. So that's a condition, but it's not my saying, okay, number one is you've got to ask. So I'm going to check that one off. You asked. Number two, you've got to believe that I heard you. And that's what the Bible says. You've got to believe God's heard you. So it's not like I checked that off. No, a function of receiving is that I ask. I have to believe that the person I ask actually heard me or I won't expect them to give it. And then the third thing is I have to expect them to answer. I have to have my hands out. I have to be ready to get in the car to go to the ice cream shop. I have to act on what I've asked them to do. So there are conditions in the, in the sense that we need to do our part in order to receive, but they're not like we're earning something from God by doing them or we're disqualifying something by not doing them. So having said that, when we're going to look at these conditions that God's Word puts forth, it's out of a relationship. It all comes down to this. Prayer is communicating with your Father. And that's out of a relationship with you have with Him. So it's just like talking to somebody else that you know loves you, cares about you, and you want to talk something over with them. You're expecting them to listen to you. And if they don't listen to you, you're trying to get their attention. Well, you don't have to get God's attention. You have to believe that you have His attention. Because you can't look in His eyes and see Him looking back at you the way you can at your spouse and tell whether they're paying attention to you or not or He's behind the newspaper going, uh, yeah, right. So, but, so you can't see God's eyes so you have to believe that He's listening to you. And then you have to believe that He wants to answer you and you have to believe that He's able to answer to you. And then you have to believe that He has answered you in order to receive it. So I want to look at some script, uh, one scripture in particular that I felt God quickened to me last year that I've really been living in and meditating on as a key because I'm seeing prayers answered that, I, that I've never seen answered before in my life. I'm watching God move and do things in my life that He's always wanted to do but I had not positioned myself in a place to receive the way I have now, and I want to share some of that with you for just a couple of minutes here. So, what we're going to look at is, is we're going to look at John chapter 15. John 15, and this is in a, in a section of Scripture where Jesus is preparing to leave His disciples. So everything He says in these three verse chapters, John 14, 15, and 16, are kind of His final instructions to His disciples. And John 14 kind of prepares them for the fact that he's leaving them, even though he's been telling them that for a while. John 16 is kind of some instructions about the Holy Spirit and about what's going to happen after he leaves them. And sandwiched in there is John 15, where he gives them a key for their prayer life with him after he's left them, with a a key to his ongoing relationship with them once he's been raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the key concept, Jesus gives them an image here to explain to them what their relationship with him is going to be like. It's going to be different than it's been like since he's been walking with them for these three and a half years. It's going to change completely. And now he's introducing them to that. And to do that, he, he reminds them of a visual image that they're all very familiar with. 
He says, I am the vine and you are the branches and my father's the husbandman or the farmer. I am the vine and you are the branches. And then he tells them to abide in him. And he's using the image of a branch and its, its connection with the vine, or we would use a better example, because we're not, to us, vines are the things that grow up the side of houses. But a vine in the Middle East is like a tree. So we'll use the example of a tree, and, and, and he said, I'm the trunk of the tree, and you're the branches. And then he's going to say this verse. So he's talking about abiding in him. And he says, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done unto you. He goes on to say, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. He's talking primarily here about the fruit of prayer, or answered prayer, and he's giving us the secret of it. And it, it refers to other type of fruit, I, I'm, I'm convinced. But the context here is he's talking in the context of prayer. Asking and receiving in a way that gives God the glory. So here's the two things he's saying, the two conditions of answered prayer. Number one is that we abide in Him. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And the second is that His words abide in in you. Now, in order to understand what he means by abide, he's given us this visual image to communicate to us what it means. How does a branch abide in the trunk of the tree? It's connected to it. Excuse me. It's vitally connected to it. It doesn't hang around it. It doesn't lie on the ground around it because if, it, if it's not vitally connected to the trunk, it dies, it withers up, it still exists, it's still a branch, it's still wood, but it cannot produce any fruit. Jesus makes this clear because he said, apart from me, separated from me, you can do nothing in the kingdom of God. So the first thing is we have to abide in him. What does that mean? A branch abides in the vine, in the trunk, to the extent that it is vitally connected. What does that mean? That means the branch draws a number of things that it needs from the trunk of the tree. First of all, it draws its identity from the tree. You don't say that's a maple branch, that's an oak branch. You look at the branch, you don't even notice the branch. You say that's a maple branch tree and you're looking at the trunk and you're looking at the branch and you're looking at the leaves that are produced and it's all one concept it's all one identity it's the it's a maple tree well we are the body of Christ he is the head we're his body again the head and the body have to be vitally connected secondly when that branch is vitally connected to the vine it doesn't produce its own life force. Its life force comes up through the trunk of the tree and it flows out through the branch to produce the fruit. So the branch depends for its life. The branch depends for its strength. The branch depends for its ability entirely 
on the, what it receives from the trunk of the tree. In the same way, we as Christians, God's designed us in such a way that the only ability we have to pray, the only ability we have to do anything from God is only through what we receive directly from Christ to whom we're abiding, in whom we're abiding. And the next thing that abiding in does, it provides the strength. The branch can't hold itself up. If the branch is not connected to the the trunk, it will fall down. It has no strength to hold itself up. Its strength to be maintained comes from the trunk. So where does our focus need to be? Our focus needs to be on a relationship with Jesus every day. We're learning in these times together, and we're going to learn even more as a church to practice what's called united prayer or, or, or congregational prayer or prayer where we join together. But the, but the ability of us to come together, whether it's physically in here when we're able to, or whether it's simply the means we have now, can be no greater than your individual prayer life and my individual prayer life. When I let myself get so busy, and I'm doing the work of the Lord, that I'm not maintaining a living prayer communion with Jesus and with my Father, then I begin to dry up. Oh, I can do the same things, but the life and the power's not there if I'm not drawing that from Him. And I don't draw that from Him. It doesn't start when I get up here. It starts when I get up in the morning. And I, I have a discipline where I spend the first block of time in the morning where I'm spending time with Him in His Word, reading things, meditating on things, and, and, and then on my face, communing with Him and just talking with Him, opening my heart with Him. And what that does is it develops this vital connection with Him that's then available all throughout my day. And yes, as I go into the day, I'm busy doing things and I'm talking to people, I'm in meetings, I'm preparing things, and I'm not there just talking to Him, but I'm aware of His presence because I spent time with Him in the morning. That's that vital connection. And so that's our responsibility. So if we abide in Him, but there's a second condition, and His words abide in you. And this is the other area where I find as Christians that we fail, is we know His word. Many of you have been coming to church for years, and you know His Word. You may read His Word. You may have memorized portions of His Word. You may watch people teach His Word on TV. You may have it in your ears through your iPhone or some other phone you've got. Or you may just have it surrounded with you. But that's not what He said. He said, if it abides in you. And I look at it as this example, and I've taught this before. There, there, are, there are professional food tasters. They're in their quality control department of foods. And, and the, the wineries have them, uh, wine tasters, and there's tasters for every kind of food, I guess, that's being produced that's, that's quality things. So you have people that will taste it. And what they do is they swirl it around in their mouth, and then they spit it out. Because their purpose is to simply let it touch each one of the different parts of their taste bud to see whether it has the quality and the taste that it's supposed to have. And they're enjoying it. They get something out of it. It They're experiencing of it, something. But then when they're done tasting it and experiencing it, they spit it out and it never gets down inside of them. And so when all we do is just read the Word, 
And we should read the Word. And we study the Word. And we need to study the Word. That's what allows us to get down deeper in it. And it, memorizing the Word is a wonderful thing to do because there may be a time when you don't have your Bible handy, although it's on phones and everything else we got right now. But, but to memorize it is a wonderful thing to do. But that's basically just chewing it around in your mind. But when you take that food and it will do your body no good until you swallow it and your digestive system begins to incorporate it into your body and begins to draw out of that food the nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, the protein, and whatever else is in there that your body's going to need. It pulls those out of the food that you put into your digestive system. And now that food, that protein, those vitamins, those minerals, now become a part of you. They now abide in you. And where I find most people fail in their prayer life, and most people fail in their faith life is they've never taken the time to have the Word abide in them. They learn it, they hear it, they memorize it, but it never becomes a part of them. I've been in hospital rooms where people suddenly find themselves in an emergency or in homes and they realize I got to get the word in me so they have it playing 24 hours a day they may have it on television and that's great that's wonderful but it will only work if you get that word down into your heart Proverbs 4 tells us my son attend to my word Incline your ear to my sayings. Let it not depart from your eyes, but keep it in the midst of your heart, for it is life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. So how do you do that? How do you take that word and swallow it And so it becomes a part of you. It's something we've all heard about, but very few of us really do it. It's called meditate on the Word. It's the instructions that God gave to Joshua so that he would be a successful leader after Moses had died. He told him to not let it depart from his eyes. He told him to meditate on it day and night. And then he would, he, would, he would do all that was written therein. And then he would be, make himself a good success. So this meditating on that word. How do you meditate on that word? You, you run it over in your mind. You talk to yourself. You speak it to yourself. You take words, just a verse, and you begin to speak it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And as you do that, your mind will begin to get bored, but you make yourself do it. And then as you speak it to yourself, that's one of the best ways to do it. Just speak it to yourself. It may like it does nothing at all, but you keep doing it and you don't realize you're breaking down barriers. You're breaking down walls of strongholds that of unbelief, that of wrong thinking in your mind and gradually it will begin to break it down because this word is anointed by God to do that. I'm getting off into my course on renewing the mind. I don't want to do that too much. 
But this word is anointed by God to do that. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit who's living in you will reach up and take hold of that word and begin to open your eyes to see things in there you never saw before. But you're not seeing them with your mind. You're seeing them down here. If my words abide in you. Now notice what he goes on to say. You will ask whatever you wish. I was thinking about that one day. I actually heard somebody talking about this, and it, of course, it jolted me. So for, for years we're taught, you know, to make sure we end our prayer, if it be your will. Lord, I, I'd, love you to, I'd love you to heal me if you be your will. Father, I want you to stop COVID-19 if it's your will. You notice he doesn't say anything in here about whether it's God's will or not. He says, you will ask what you will, and it will be done. God's giving us a carte blanche to ask Him. How could God do that? Well, God trusts you to ask for things. Why? Because the condition is, first of all, you're abiding in Christ. If you're abiding in Him, you will never ask anything that's offensive to Him. You will never ask anything that will pull you away from Him. And the second condition is if His words abide in you. If His words abide in you, what are you going to pray? You're going to pray whatever His Word says because when you get filled with His Word, that's what's going to come out of you. In fact, one of the ways to know if His words abiding in you is to listen to what comes out of you when you speak in a difficult situation. Is God's word what comes right out of it? Well, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. So those are the three things we need to look at tonight before we get into prayer. Um, then we need, we need to act on that word. James 1.22 says that be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You see, when we hear the Word, but we don't then act on it, we deceive ourselves. How do you deceive yourself? Because by hearing the Word, we think hearing the Word gets the job done. And so we deceive ourselves because we think, I've got it. It's like tasting food. You're enjoying it. You enjoy the taste of the food. You enjoy the aroma of the food. And you think just because you're tasting it, it's become part of you. But it doesn't become part of you until you swallow it. And you won't, the Word will not become part of you until you meditate on it, and then you need to act on it. It's the acting on it that seals it. I don't have time to get into James chapter 2, but he talks about that, and he uses Abraham as an example. When Abraham offered up Isaac, it sealed his faith. When you step out of that word, it makes that word active and alive in you. Until you do that, it's dormant in you. It has potential, but it's not a reality to you until you step out on that word. So those are the things it takes in order to meet the conditions that Jesus is... Remember, these are Jesus' words. Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and my words abide in you... And you ask what you want. That's the other thing. You have to ask. You have to ask. Now the word ask there is a Greek word that almost implies demanding. If, and you ask, it shall be done for you of my Father who is in heaven. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to start out. We're going to spend a moment to get set so that we're abiding in Him. We're going to get a moment to get set to make sure we're praying God's Word out. And then what we're going to do is we're going to ask Him and we're going to ask Him 
together. Now we're going to begin with the, with the, uh, with the Unite 714 prayer. So if you have that downloaded and you printed it off from Sunday, you can recite it along with me. But I don't want you just reciting it. I don't want you to just be a spectator if you don't have it. I want you to be in agreement because there's power. Jesus talks about the power of praying in agreement. So we want this to be done. So I will read this and we'll go through this together and then we're going to come together and pray for some other things. There's three scriptures, four scriptures that they give us. Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not is not a matter of eating drinking but of right and drinking but of righteousness and peace and joy in the holy spirit Romans 14:17 Isaiah 50 uh, 61 3 and 4 these are not my regular glasses and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the, they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publish peace and bring good news of happiness, who publish salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And finally, Acts 4.31, and then when they prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for planting us in your Father's kingdom. Through your great salvation, we've received the righteousness and peace and joy and we need to thrive in the midst of a trial and tumult currently shaking our world. We ask you that your divine peace will settle over our broken world and supernatural grace will sustain those who suffered great loss during this pandemic. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we ask you to release your peace into our world to replace the panic. Release your comfort to alleviate the grief and sorrow in the hurting hearts of mankind. Heavenly Father, we're also thankful for your promise to rebuild, repair, and raise up broken and ruined places. You are filled with compassion for the struggle of humanity. And we're confident that your heart has been moved by the devastation wrought by COVID-19. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we ask you to eradicate this virus provide supernaturally for the many affected and heal shattered hearts worthwhile. Lord, wherever your kingdom is proclaimed and established, there is healing. And as we approach Pentecostal Sunday, we ask you for a fresh outpouring of your spirit on your church and the world. And we've been called that we've been called to reach. Grant us the with grant us the boldness we need to clearly proclaim your word with power and confidence. Lord, send a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to embolden us to powerfully proclaim the message of the gospel we pray. In this, in the name of our your dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Father, we now come to you and thank you that you hear and answer our prayers. Father, we come to follow the example that you've given us in, the, in, in your letter to Timothy that we are to pray first of all for those, all of those in leadership and authority over our lives. You don't tell us to agree with them or disagree with them. You don't say whether we like them or don't like them. You have called your people 
who are called by your name to pray for the leaders that, you, that are in our office. These are positions of authority that you have ordained. You have entrusted them with authority and they need your grace and your wisdom to carry this out. So we pray first of all for our president. Father, we ask you to keep and protect him, to strengthen him. Father, because in that office there are automatically forces of darkness, forces of all kinds of spiritual forces that come to try to move whoever is in that office in different directions. And Father, we pray for this president that you would help him to stand strong and that you would help him to have discernment of who to listen to and who not to listen to. We pray that you would surround him with godly men and women who hear your spirit and know the voice of your spirit, who provide him with godly counsel and that he will have the boldness and confidence to listen to them and to do what you're leading and directing him to do. We pray for the leaders of our Congress, of the House and of the Senate, of Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. Father, we ask you to open their eyes to recognize that the offices and the authority in which they stand are ordained by you and that they have a responsibility to you to exercise that authority in a way that is best for the people that they govern. Father, we ask you to surround them with men and women who are godly and listen to you. And we thank you, Father, that you are able and you have placed people in the Congress, in the House, and in the Senate, and in the White House, Father, that they are praying and there are people that pray and that know you, Lord, that there are forces of righteousness that are at work that we don't see reported in the media that they don't even know about that are at work. And we ask you to encourage them and to strengthen them to stand strong in this day and in this hour. Father, we pray for our local governors, especially those that oversee the people that are in this body of believers, in this community of believers. We pray for, for, for Governor Raimondo. And Father, we ask you to keep her strong. Lord, as we've said over and over again, neither she nor Governor Baker bargained or expected to be in this position. And Father, we pray that you would give her counsel, godly wisdom and godly counsel, that you would keep her and her family safe and strong. We pray for their souls, Father, and we ask you, Lord, to keep them, give them wisdom and discernment, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you provide for them and have provided for her. Lord, people that are giving her advice, that know you and know the voice of your spirit, and that you keep them strong and you keep them healthy, Father. And we thank you for the people that you build around her to help her and to strengthen her. And we pray for Governor Baker, Lord. We ask you to keep him safe and keep him strong. Protect his family so that he is undistracted in the things that he's doing right now. And we ask you to give him the wisdom that he needs to make the right decisions for that, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Father. We pray for those that are around him that you placed in strategic positions to have the wisdom of how to advise him and to help him to, to listen to the counsel and advice that you provide for him. Father, we pray for those that are in the front line right now, that are ministering in the hospitals to people in the hospitals and in the nursing homes and other places, Lord, where they're ministering to people that are, that are exposed to this, to this virus and that are affected by this virus, that you would keep them safe, Father, and protect them. We pray for their families, Lord, that are, that are in many cases separated for them for periods of time and they may be dealing with anxiety because their father, their mother, their brothers, their sisters are in, in places that are on the front line. And we ask you to give them peace, Father. 
We pray for those that are affected by this, that have been infected by this. Father, we stand up for them tonight in the name of Jesus. And we speak health and healing to them. To those that are on ventilators and who's, are in the hospitals whose lungs have been affected by this. Father, we take authority over that virus in their lungs. We take authority over it and we curse you and command you to die. And we speak health and healing over their lungs. And Jesus bore their sicknesses and carried their diseases. And they may not know how to appropriate that for themselves. But we call upon you to appropriate it for them and we thank you for that Father Father we pray for those that have lost loved ones we know of some even within our church that have lost loved ones Father we pray that you would comfort them and assure them Father and give them the peace that only the Holy Spirit can do He is the comforter and Father we pray for those that that are in our church right now that may be dealing with this disease in their home we pray for their healing we come into agreement with them Father tonight that they will recover from this with no side effects. And we declare over them the word of God, that they will live and not die. And they will continue to live and proclaim the word of the Lord. And we thank you for that, Father. Father, we pray for the pastors of this area, for the counsel and the wisdom and the guidance that they're going to need in order to continue to lead the congregations that you've entrusted them. Father, some have already made the decision to open their doors and we pray that you would continue to give them that wisdom. Some have yet decided not to do that and Father, we ask you to help them to stand strong because when we make any decision, there are people that will disagree and people that will agree. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you will help them to stay strong and live by the conviction that you put in their hearts to protect the people that you've entrusted to them as best they know how. And Father, we pray for this fellowship as we begin to open our doors and have people begin to come back in. We pray for each individual family, Father, that they will have the wisdom to know what to do, whether to come and when to come, and that they will have the peace to know to do what is in their hearts to do, that they'll not allow pressure from other people one way or another to press them out of fear to stay home or out of pressure to come to be put in a position that's beyond where their faith is. Father, we ask you for wisdom for our staff as we continue to walk this out. And ultimately, Father, we take authority over this disease. We declare, Father, that that although there are all kinds of voices and all kinds of predictions out there, we go to the God of almighty power. We go to the God who's mightier than COVID-19 or any other virus. We come to a God who is able to speak a word and eradicate this in a moment's time. We come to a God who has stopped plagues before, a God who's parted the Red Sea, a God who created the universe with his words and is sustaining and holding up by the word of his power. We call upon you to stop this flow of this disease and declare that it will end and it will stop. It will not come back, but we declare that it will be defeated and it will end. We thank you, Father, for it. We praise you, Father, for it. We thank you, Father. And Father, we pray right now, especially, Lord, this is a time of great opportunity for your church. I believe with all my heart that your church is here for such a time as this, at a time when things in people's lives have shaken and there's uncertainty and people are looking at the future and there's no certainty of the future, that this is the opportunity for your church to stand up and to declare boldly the full gospel that you love people, that you are here to save, that you have an answer, that you have peace, and that you have the ultimate peace, the Prince of Peace, 
and that he's available and that he loves them. Pray for our leaders, Father, for all the leaders within this church, for boldness, for all of our people, to have a boldness in wherever they go, to not be afraid. We rebuke the spirit of fear. You placed us here for this purpose. So why should we fear? You will take care of us. You will oversee us. You will guard us. You will comfort us. And we pray for that boldness, Father. And Lord, we pray for families right now, that you in the time that they're home, Father, when they're dealing with, with learning to be together and, the, and, the, and the, the challenges of being together, that the fathers and the mothers would stand up and begin to exercise spiritual leadership in their home, that you would give them wisdom of how to help their children, wisdom of how to, how to lead their homes, how to come together, Father, in prayer, and how to come together and learn to seek you together. We pray, Father, for our families, Lord, that you would keep them strong. We pray for our marriages in this church, Father, that you would keep them strong, Lord, and where there's challenges and difficulties, we pray that you would open their eyes to see one another in a, in a new light, to see again, to see one another the way you see them, and to see one another maybe the way they saw one another at the beginning. And Satan, we take authority over you, over our marriages. We plead the blood of Jesus over our marriages. We plead the blood of Jesus over our homes. We plead the blood of Jesus over our bodies. We plead the blood of Jesus over your church. And we declare, Satan, the blood of Jesus has defeated you. And you have no right to cross the bloodline. It is a barrier to you. And we assert and proclaim that blood against you in the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. 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 Father, we pray for people right now that have been affected economically, that are out of work right now, Father, and, and, and they're, 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 being, they're anxious about whether they're going to get a job, whether they're going to get back to work. Father, we ask you to help them to look, lift their eyes up and realize that you are their support. You are their provider. And, and, and no, no, no pandemic can stop you from providing for them. We take authority over fear because it's fear that stops them from hearing from you. Father, we trust you and know that you have an answer for each one of them, that you have a provision for them. We realize that fear stops us from hearing from you. So we bind that spirit of fear. And Father, we ask you to open their eyes to see ways Help us as a church, Lord, to reach out and to, and to help one another, to make a connection with one another. Father, supernaturally bring needs across our path that we can meet and make those supernatural connections with one another, Lord. And open the hearts of people to reach out beyond themselves and to care and to share, Father, which is why you blessed us to begin with. And we pray, Father, for the missionaries that you've entrusted to this church to help support. We thank you, Father, that you've been faithful to provide for us what we need to live out the commitments that we've made to them. And we pray for them, Father, because they're living also in this situation because it goes around the world. And many of them are living in situations where they don't have all the equipment and all the resources that we have in this nation. And we pray for those missionaries that would you, you would keep them safe. We pray that you would continue to provide for them, that they may continue to do the work that you've given them to do, Father. 
And we declare that the Word of God will not be stopped by this pandemic. We declare that the Word of God and the work of God will not only not be stopped, but it will go forth with a greater power. It will reach more people through the online means that have been provided. It will create in people a hunger, and it will create in people a commitment that they may have never had before. We ask you, Father, as you lead us through this time, that you will awaken people to realize how, how important the church is to them and how much we need one another and that we really are at that place where all we really need and all we really can count on is Jesus and one another. Father, awaken us to the time we're in right now to be sober and alert and realize there is a change that's happening. This may not be the end, but there is a change that's happening and help this to use this change to shake us and wake us up from our complacency and realize how much we need each other, how much we need to rely on the Holy Spirit, how much we need to be in prayer and seeking God's face and learn how to do the things we may never have learned how to do or do again the things we've learned how to do that we become lazy about. Father, I thank you that you're using this time to strengthen your church, to equip your church, to prepare your church, that you've not been caught off guard, but that you already were aware, you already were prepared for what you want to do for us, what you want to do in us, and what you want to do through us. And I ask you, Father, that you would give us here, the leadership here, as well as the leadership in all the other churches in this area, the wisdom the boldness and the courage to step out and do what you put us here to do in this hour. To no longer be moved by the threats that this poses, but instead to get behind your, your will and your plan at this time. To see your will done and your kingdom come because you have designed for us to be a part of this. And we thank you for the privilege to be alive in this time. We thank you for the privilege that you have called us for such a time as this to serve you. And just as they asked you for boldness in the day of Acts, in the time of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, we're asking you for the boldness to step forth and to speak the word with boldness, to reach out his hands that he may heal through us and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy child, Jesus. We're asking that you do all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. And amen. I felt go off in me again, which I did two weeks ago when we led in a similar type of prayer. And I want to end by encouraging you in this. This has come, and whatever's come against you personally, some of us have been kind of isolated from this because you've been held up in your home and you're not really in a situation where you're exposed to us. Some of you, it's hit you because there may be people in your family, maybe even you, that right now are battling this, this virus or you have battled this virus. Or maybe you have loved ones that are battling this virus or you may even, as I know some people in this church, 
you've lost loved ones. Maybe it's affected you because you've lost your job or you've got relatives that have lost your job. So it's impacting you. But every one of those impacts ultimately has a purpose and it's to threaten you. It's to threaten you as well as the news that comes at us every day. And I'm not bashing the news media. I'm sure most of them are trying to do a good job. But if you look at it, it's all, it's, most of it is telling you the bad news. And then it's filled with so many people's opinion about what they think is going to happen. And they don't know. They're giving you their opinions. All of that has the collective effect of threatening us. And when we become threatened and afraid, our mind shrinks down. It's hard to hear the Spirit of God inside of us. The Word of God kind of fades back in our mind. And now our whole goal is to survive. God did not put you and me here. He did not put His church here at this time just to survive. But He put the church here to rise up and to step forward and to fill the gap and to be a bold witness to the world that God is real, that God saves, that God delivers, that God heals. But the church won't be bold if we're hiding in fear in our own closets and we're afraid to step out. And I spoke, I believe, with all my heart last time by the Spirit that if we will stand up and step out to do what God's calling us to do. We will be right up behind Him. And whatever Satan throws at you to terrify you will bounce off of you because to get at you, it has to get at God first. Psalm 91 is filled with precious promises of protection and provision and God's closeness to us in critical times of threat like now. But again, there's a condition that's in those first two verses. It only applies to he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Secret means it's not obvious. It's not of obvious to everybody. And it's a place that's uptight. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, to be under the shadow, in somebody's shadow, you've got to be up close to them. I will say of the Lord, He is my rock, my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. So those protections are for those who are walking right up with God and His purpose and are, have their eyes on Him. So I would encourage you to open your heart, open your mind to what God has for you to do. I'm not saying step out and do some foolish thing. I'm talking about prayerfully begin to pray these prayers, begin to seek God, begin to ask God for that boldness. And as you begin to do that, and the Spirit of God inside of you will begin to give you that sense of purpose. I'm not talking about putting a tent as an evangelist out there, it may be little things. He may have you give as a step of faith. He's done that with us. He's challenged our giving to increase it as a step of faith. So I just, it's a word of encouragement to you. God is is ready to move in this time, and I believe He already is. I've seen reports of churches that are only online that have had thousands of people respond to an altar call, and I know we've had more here. So I just want to encourage you in that. Praise the Lord. 
In a moment, we'll end the service, but I'm going to we'll receive our Lord's tithes and our offerings. We're not going to pass a container here, but we're going to give you an opportunity because I want to pray with you about it. But before we do, I want to give you an opportunity if you're watching tonight and maybe you're watching and you've either never seen something like this before or, or maybe you've been watching for a while, but you've never given your life to Jesus. What I mean by that is maybe you've been in church your whole life. That's, I was raised in church. In fact, I was a deacon in the church I was in. But I never, and I realized, I was raised to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believed that Jesus came and died to pay for the sins of the world. But it wasn't until I was in my late 30s that I discovered that I needed to ask this Jesus that paid for my sins into my own personal life. I needed to invite him in and receive him for me as the one that paid for my sins. It's a personal relationship that I was inviting him into. And when I realized that I had to take that step, and it was a step of faith for me, I didn't even know for sure whether he was real or not. But when I came face to face with my need to make that decision, I took that little step of faith and I said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real. This was one o'clock in the morning. My family's in bed. I said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real. But if you are, great statement of faith, I'm asking you to come into my life. That was it. I knew the moment I said that something happened inside of me. I knew that something, and I now know someone came to live inside of me. And my whole view of everything changed. Now, not everybody that does that had the same experience I've had. But here's what I'm saying. Jesus said this, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you can only get there through him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes into heaven unless they come through me. What does it mean to come through him? It's asking Jesus to come into your life as your Savior, the one that paid for your sins. And then you have to take your life as it is right now and put it into His hands to be Lord. If you've never done that, I want to help you do it right now. Don't put it off to Do it right now. Maybe you've done it before and you've just kind of drifted away from Him and you need to come back to Him. He's not angry at you. He loves you. So if that's you in either one of those situations, I want to help you right now, right where you are. And all you've got to do is just repeat this prayer with me. I'm going to say it and have you repeat it after me as I go through it. All you have to do is mean it as best you can. And then I want to give you a little bit of instruction at the end. It's that simple. You're receiving a gift, but you have to take, you have to take this sim- simple step of faith as I did 41 years ago. So just pray this with me out loud. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You know everything I've ever done, everything I've ever said, everything I ever thought. For whatever did not please you, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus and make me clean in your sight. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life as my Savior the one who paid for my sins. And I receive you as my Savior. 
and I take my life as it is right now, the good and the bad, the things I've done well and the mistakes that I've made, and I put it into your hands to be Lord over my life. Fill me with your Spirit that I may live strong for you all the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me that much, this much, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you did that for the first time, I'm going to ask you to do two things, two simple things that are very important. You need to tell somebody. And, and you can do that by calling us tomorrow morning. Call us here at the office, 508 336 4110. 508 336 4110. And someone will answer the phone. And, and just tell them what you did tonight. They want to send some materials out to you that will help you. And if you want them, they'll pray with you if you have some need. Second thing, I want you to tune in the same way you're tuning in tonight. I want you to tune in to our service on Sunday. It's live streamed. It won't be here, but it's live streamed on the same avenue that you're looking at tonight because we're going to we're going to worship together and I'm going to give you some words that will help you in your walk with Him. You've made the best decision you will ever make in your life. Tell somebody about it. Praise God. Right now, we're going to receive the Lord's tithes and your offerings. If you're giving by way online, as with me, I I do it earlier in the week. It's 28950. You can text it. FCC tithes, all one word, a space, and then the amount. Or you can go online to our website, faithccenter.com, and there's a way you can do that. Or you can mail it in to 95 Sagamore Road, Seacock, Massachusetts, 02771. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You've been very faithful. It's so important to you that you remain faithful in giving because God will provide what He wants to do through this church, but He wants to use you as a vehicle to do that. So as you do that, God wants to prosper you so that you can be the ch- a channel through which God does what He wants to do here. For that, we give you thanks. So let's pray over it. Father, we thank You for the faithful givers, those that tithe and those that give beyond the tithes, their free will offerings. We thank You for their faithfulness. You made a promise, Father, that if we would be faithful in tithing, that You, to come and test You and prove You, and see if You would not open the windows of heaven and pour out on us a blessing that we could not contain, that You would rebuke the devourer for our sake, and others would look at us and call us a delightsome land. Because You made that promise tonight, for all those that tithe, we dare to proclaim that as truth in our lives and over our lives. We ask you to bless both those that give and those that tithe. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Let's end with a little bit of worship. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and sing as we go. Here I am. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. One more time. I am to say 
God bless you. Look forward to seeing you Sunday morning.